Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 13th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 22nd, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to begin this week's podcast, and I'm excited because we kind of left it a little bit on a downer this last week, and I'm not going to say that this podcast is going to bring you a ton of instant joy that lets last week go. But I will say, I think it gives us the potential to have some uplifting moments and some things to inspire us to, I think, fulfill the mission of what God has called us into much more so than something like last week. So this is a challenging time of year. We're finishing that Bread of Life discourse that Jesus has been going on and on and on about over the last four to five weeks. And so it's a good principle just to dedicate ourselves to really dig into something and go really hard at something. But I think it also then allows us now, as we're kind of getting more of the conclusion, and next week we'll be back into Mark, of how then do we deal with this? And I think in a lot of ways, this text helps us understand the character of what God is inspiring us to be. But before we get into that, we have to look at last week's Twitter question, which was, how has God changed you? And we got a couple of different responses this week, but I think the most resounding one, and that was brought up in the comments, is COVID definitely over the last year and a half, now pushing year and three quarters, has really changed us. And it's challenged a lot of our thought processes and how do we look and perceive the world? How do we look and perceive our faith in a lot of ways? And I think that's something that is really interesting, really fascinating, and I think something really good to be thinking about. Another comment we got that I thought was really interesting was getting the feedback on talking about the juxtaposition that I put last week of the gospel and how we're changing the planet and what is our calling within that. I would agree. I think it is something that we have to be thinking about. And I think it's a great opportunity, especially in the place in which we're in, especially that we are getting now calls from our top end scientists say, we got to do something now if we have the chance of not further damaging things than what we already have. And I think that's the idea of what we need to be moving forward with. This idea of we have made impact and there's good and bad things about that. But then how are we going to make sure that we aren't making more damage than we should? And I think that's one of the things where it means that we're going to have to change. And this is something I know I've stated on the podcast and we have talked about multiple times before. Change is difficult, but change is necessary. And that's the hard thing about it. So let's just jump into this week because there was one more thing that was said in the comments, but I want to bring that up at the end because it will lead into how faith and science come together. But we have to first get into our text. So if you're following the semi-continuous Old Testament reading, you will then be in 1 Kings chapter 8, optionally verse 1, verse 6, verse 10 to 11, but then you're going 22 through 30 and 41 through 43. Basically, this is taking the wisdom that we had last week and talking about Solomon and being the successor to his father, David. And this is then the promise that God made to David, stating that it's going to be out of your line that we're going to have kings. And 
kind of spinning on its head the idea of where David wanted to build a house for the Lord. Now Solomon, by God's command, has finished building the temple that was promised and that there's the Ark of the Covenant gets brought in. And a lot of this gets to be kind of a song of praise from Solomon saying, look at how God fulfills the promise as long as we are abiding with God. And this follows into Psalm 84 that we have tied with that, which again, that we long for God, we look for God, we continue to know that God is going to provide for us. So then we need to continue to be with God and around God and spending time with God. And that in that, that will make us into the people that God is calling us to be and shaping us to the character of what God is wanting us to reflect. I think one of the verses that's really worth taking a look at is verse 3. Even the sparrow finds a home, the sparrow a nest for herself, when she may lay her young at your altar, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. The reason that that's significant is sparrows are known for nesting in crevices, holes, caverns, things that they're not building. They're finding a place and then they're going to add to it. So it is this way of being dependent upon nature. That's why we have house sparrows as a name of a species because it's looking for buildings and different things of that. In a lot of ways, it's looking to God to provide. And that's where so often, especially I know in my life, I try creating the opportunity instead of letting God provide the opportunity. And I think that's what's a great reminder there. The other alternative Old Testament reading is from Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 to 2a and 14 to 18. This is Joshua coming to the people and them making this commitment that they're going to follow God. This is the familiar phrase coming out of the end of this text, like verse 18, stating, therefore, we also will serve the Lord, or we get the phrase of, For me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But I might also argue here, especially as Joshua is going back and forth with the people and the commitment that they're making to God here of following God, add the next couple verses after this. Because I think it really helps, especially with where I would say your different texts go. Joshua then states in the next couple verses how we can't do it. Without God's help, we physically cannot do what God is expecting us to do. And so we cannot fulfill the promise that we're making that we will serve God because we fall short. And so having that in there reminding us of how we fall short, I think is a really important part of this. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 34, verses 15 to 22. This is the third week we have been in Psalm 34. It's an acrostic psalm, meaning it's going by the alphabet of when it was originally written, which we can't see in English. There's some kind of loose ties here, kind of talking about, again, being righteous to God and how God will continue to build us up and continue to help us through the different parts and protect us in the times of when evil is coming in and different things of that nature. But it does kind of fit in a little bit, though, as we get into this idea of, again, that we're not able to do it on our own. It's God helping us along the way to be able to accomplish what God is wanting us to accomplish. The New Testament reading is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. 
This is the text that we hear a lot where it gets taught to a lot of younger kids because it's talking about putting on the armor of God. This goes through the whole thing where we have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, put on your feet whatever makes you ready to proclaim the gospel, the shield of faith, to be able to quench the flaming arrows of the evil one, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which has the word of God. So this idea of all these things that we are putting on. But I think it's also a reminder for us, especially people who don't typically put on armor, maybe civilians, armor's heavy. And if you're putting on all these different things that this is a hard work, this is not necessarily a burden, but it's very heavy to pick up every day to go and do. And I think that's a good reminder, especially with what we'll get into here with the gospel text. So the gospel text this week is out of John chapter 6, verses 56 to 69. Jesus continues on this, eat my flesh and drink my blood and whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven that nourishes your ancestors, but anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And we get then from verse 60, people who are following and the disciples saying, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept this? And Jesus kind of comes back with a real sharp jab stating, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? And this idea then, yes, this is difficult, but I need you to work with this and be willing to work through this because this isn't just going to be easy. And this is the part of this text where you're having a lot of Jews who are still trying to follow the Jewish custom, but then also trying to follow Jesus. And this is where Jesus loses a lot of people. And then it kind of foretells here at the end of this gospel of the betrayal of Judas, not by name. And then when asked to the 12, do you wish to go away? Simon Peter responds, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We will come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And I know for me, out of my faith tradition, that first part of that is something that is used a lot in different liturgy. So this idea of there were some that stayed with, but there were also a lot where this teaching was too difficult. And this is the moment where they let Jesus go on his own way. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we do our shameless plug. Boom! Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, having multiple biblical scholars talking about and working through these texts on a weekly basis. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I really, really enjoy using this resource. But I also really like using the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at vanderbilt.edu. And one of the things that I really enjoy about having them is that also they have a lot of art to be able to tie with these texts. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org or the lectionary coming from vanderbilt.edu, I'd highly recommend checking out both these sources because they help on a week-to-week basis bring you this podcast. I stated in the beginning here that there was one more thing that was stated in one of the Twitter questions, comments, that is going to influence today, 
And I have to give a real shout out to Dave Sauer because, boy, you must be from the future to predict what has happened this last week. Because he ended his comment this week of, have you looked at Fusion Energy? The UK is working like mad on it and is quite close. It may be the saving science, especially with last week being the doom and gloom. And this week, we had a major breakthrough, not in the UK, but here in the United States at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, where they had a crowning achievement where, according to CNBC, a Wright Brothers moment in nuclear fusion. So before we get into what kind of all happened, let's talk what is Fusion. Whenever we're talking about nuclear, there's two different types. There's fission and fusion. And a lot of the nuclear plants that we have now is fission, where it's taking a large atom and it's going to split it into smaller parts. And in that splitting process, there's a lot of energy that is released and it's then capturing that energy to use it for other things. Fusion is the opposite. So fusion is taking, in this case, hydrogen atoms and making helium. So if you remember your periodic table, hydrogen being one nucleus, one proton, one electron, and pushing those together to make helium, which is two. So this laboratory has been working on this and had a huge breakthrough, which this broke records big time for the amount of energy they were able to put out. They focused 192 lasers on a point with specific types of hydrogen atoms in a, like a pellet and in a very concentrated spot, making for an extremely hot center. This is from the stuff I've picked up 10 times hotter than at the actual core of the sun. And then in that, they were able to witness for 100 trillionths of a second that we had 10 quadrillion watts of power burst through for a quick second or fraction of a second. And this then was able to produce 1.3 megajoules of energy, which is tremendous. Essentially, what we were able to do with this is that 70% of the energy that went into this was able to come out of this. And this being a crowning achievement because we've never gotten near that high before. And so if we were able to do that and get to the point where we'd at least get all our energy back, if not we're hoping for that we are able to get then also more back, this would be a clean energy source that this could be absolutely carbon neutral, that there is no carbon used in the process of making energy. And as we know, it's talking about last week, this would be a huge monumental step to at least reducing our carbon emissions. Why do I bring this up though this week with this? Because fusion has been something that we've been working on for a very, very, very long time. Fusion energy has always been a theory. Even like when I was in high school, the theory of it works, but it's how do you get this to actually 
work. This has been something that we have been working on kind of seriously since the 1980s, but there's projects going way beyond that into the 20th century. And this has been theorized as one of these great monumental things that could be utilized to just create just abundance amounts of power and potentially actually, especially with fusion, being quite safe. But we haven't done it. This monumental thing that happened this last week is the first time ever that we've really been able to get this amount of energy out, but we're still at a net loss, technically. And this has been something that's been theorized and worked on for decades. When you look at this text and what Jesus is expecting of us, it's not easy. The Jews even say it, this teaching is difficult. And Jesus kind of comes back with the closest thing to a backhand slap to the face that we're ever going to get. Does this offend you? We think about like where we're at right now in the world when we talk about like climate change and things like that. It seems like an insurmountable problem. And like I talked about last week, does this offend us? Does this mean the moment we just turn over and roll into the fatal position and give up? Because the thing is, is when we look at our faith, even going to the Ephesians reading, we're called into the difficult. We're called that this isn't going to be easy, but you're going to work together in this. You're going to have to pick up your faith every day, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be difficult, and there's going to be days that you're not going to want to do it, but you do it. I was at a tech study this last week, and we were walking through this and talking through this, and this got me thinking so much about just my life over the last decade. Let me explain. From working out in the field and being a field biologist for the short periods of time that I have, walking through marshes is not easy work. And especially day one or day two, you feel okay. But day after day, picking up your legs, trudging through that stuff, it's hard. The thing is, is ethically, especially if you're putting pitfall traps or different traps out there to catch small mammals, ethically, you need to go out there a couple times a day to check those trap lines. Because that's the point of what you're doing is trying to see what is out there, not kill what is out there. To have population estimates and just seeing what types of animals are out there, you need to be able to do that. So there are times when you do not want to go out and walk that out, but you do. I remember doing bat surveys and again, working overnight, working long shifts, putting things up, walking to those nets every 10 to 15 minutes, whether you wanted to or not, because that's what the work required. This podcast is another example of it. And I was trying to think back to this. And I don't know if this is something I've actually really talked about in the podcast. So when I was a biology student at Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, my second biology class was evolution and diversity, which is obviously the hot button subject to talk about. And when I was at Concordia, I got one slide at a Christian college saying, if you're having trouble with this, check this resource out, but we have to continue on. And as I was there as a student... I remember calling and talking to my mother and calling and just talking with people and saying, I have to figure this out. There has to be a way this works. It was not easy at that moment in that time, in that space, to continue to ramp my brain working on these different problems while trying to study and figure out how I was going to get through this class. 
but also figuring out how does the science part of my brain and the science of what we're able to understand and see, and how can I make that work with what I understand my faith to be without contorting either two, but making it work. And like I said, at some point, if this is requested, we can talk about evolution at some point. But even getting to this podcast itself, I don't know if many of you have noticed, but over the three and a three quarters years that I've done this, there has not been a week that I've missed. There's been weeks where I've gotten it a little later than I would have liked, but I have not missed a week. And in that, there's been plenty of times where this is difficult. There are weeks that the texts do not exactly show themselves to be great science texts. There are definitely weeks where I'm getting toward that deadline. It's like, you know, sleep sounds a lot better than me going in and recording and editing and digging into this some more and working on this. You can miss a week. But yet, we have gone nearly 200 weeks straight without missing a week. And there's a lot of times that it's difficult. And even as I've mentioned before in this podcast, there have been people when I've talked to them about what I am doing who doubted me from the beginning that this couldn't be done. There were people who said, there's no way that you can do this. And especially as me not being an ordained person, not being someone who's explicitly studied this, but to do this on my free time to continue to trudge through this. Because I think it's something that's important that needs to be talked about But it also helps bring my faith and make my faith deeper. It's every week going and looking at those texts and eating of that bread and drinking of that wine and trying to understand what could Jesus be talking about this week that I can bring to you guys and gals. What depth can we pull out of this? What things can we use to be able to bring this into our modern day lives, maybe in a slightly different way, maybe from a science perspective, how can we do this? Because if you talk to any research scientist, and heck, any scientist, it's not easy. There are days you don't want to go to work, just like any other job. There are times where you really don't want to go and give the results of what you have found. There are times that you realize that the things that you're going to do are going to just stir the pot in the wrong way. But that's the job you were hired to do. There are times where you're banging your head against the wall of, why can't I get this to work? Why? 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 to get the breakthrough, to get the fusion, to show like there's maybe potential here. The promises that God has for us will be fulfilled, but we have to give God the time to be able to do that with us. And that's the thing I think we wrestle with because faith isn't easy. Faith is difficult. And the moment that faith is easy, it's time that you dig in and go deeper. It's like science in that way. The moment you get an answer, it should open up five more questions. Okay, we got fusion to work to 70% efficient. Can we get it to 100 so that we can potentially actually get some surplus to actually begin to fuel things? And like right now, the test that they ran this last week, it's not on a scale that's a power plant. These lasers can be powered up once per day for a test. Well, that's not going to work. So then you have to make modifications to be able to figure out how to make this into a power plant style afterwards. There's multiple steps here of things that need to be worked on and figured out and how to do it so that you can continue to have these pellets go in and continue to have the energy coming out. It's difficult, but the reward, the reward of the potential of clean energy where we could quit using fossil fuels, that we could use this and have something to be able to help us in this crazy catastrophe of what's going on in the world 
to just have that part figured out would be a major step. But the steps from where we are now to that point is still quite a bit. But does that mean that we give up and stop? When Jesus is calling us to step and follow him, to take up all this heavy armor and follow him, to admit that we're going to commit to this covenant, and Joshua will remind us, you can't do it on your own. And still say, yeah, I know. I'm going to fail, but I'm going to continue to do it so that we can see the blessings of what God is doing. There are plenty of people in science and in life that we all know who have great ideas and the moment that an obstacle comes, they give up. The ones we remember, the ones who keep going. I know for myself, there's plenty of people who I've watched who talk about faith and science and that there was a division point and at some point where I can even go along my storyline and say, yep, yep, we're tracking, we're tracking, we're tracking. Oh, that's where you tripped up. And that's where you left? I kept working at it. I figured out my solution satisfying enough for me, so I kept going. This is a difficult text, and this is where Jesus is saying, I am needing deep commitment, hard commitment, things that are going to make you shake your head and why am I doing this? But that's faith. That's the type of relationship God wants with us. At surface level, easy stuff, the stuff that makes you bang your head against the wall, the stuff that's like, why do I care? Why do I love so much? And deep down, you know, deep down, you know, it's because that's what you've been called into. And even though it's difficult, doesn't mean you stop. Fusion's hard, but we've had great breakthroughs and we're going to keep working at it. And there's great potential there, especially to work alongside of like solar and, and wind energy, hydro energy. There's great potential. It might buy us some time as we continue to work on it. Keep working at it. Keep working hard. The Twitter question this week will be really simple. Are you going to keep pushing through? And where have you continued to push through? Because it's something that we all have to do at points in our lives, and especially in points of our faith. There are times we just have to struggle through things, especially as someone who's supporting people along the way. It's hard to watch that. It's difficult, but sometimes it's necessary. For us to be able to grow in our faith, we have to wrestle through things. And that's sometimes the greatest achievement is getting to the other side of it. And that is where faith really meets the road. And I just want to say this week, I applaud Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. It's amazing what you've done. And I know this isn't going to stop with you right now. Keep going. We believe in you. We know that you can keep doing it and keep pushing forward. And we're going to keep supporting you all the way through. Because as brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what God does for us. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>